Football Social Daily. Premier League update. Hello, this is Football Social Daily, your daily Premier League football podcast and the only one you can find. If you want to find us on your Alexa device as well, not only can you get the podcast through that, you can also get daily updates on whatever Premier League team you support and full audio match reports as well. To find that, just say Alexa, enable Sports Social and you can find everything you need there. I'm Jim Salverson. We're going to be talking football over the next few minutes with Steve McNaughton. Good morning. And Marley Anderson. All right. I'm going to start with a question today, boys. A little yeah. bit of a challenge. And I'm not going to reveal the answer until tomorrow's podcast. Oh, so you've got a little bit of time to think about this. There are two Premier League players throughout the history of the Premier League who have scored four goals for two different clubs. Do you know who they are? Four goals in one match. Four goals in one match for two different clubs. There aren't many players that have scored four goals in one match. Is Mark Viduka one? Mark Viduka is not one. You can have one guess, Marley. Shearer. Shearer is not one either. There you go. <laughs> two to Shearer. Two free hits. <laughs> Shearer. Four, go, get four gonna, penalties in a match. I was going to go for Blackburn <laughs> and uh, Newcastle. But. One of them did play for Blackburn, actually. That's it. That's your only clue. We'll reveal uh... the answer on tomorrow's podcast. Make sure you tune in to that. Today, we're going to talk... Tottenham, because mm. last night it was Spurs. They beat Southampton 3-2 in a game that even Jose Mourinho said that Spurs didn't deserve to win. Bad performance, good result, which is pretty much the same as Spurs versus City at the weekend. This was an FA Cup game, by the way, not Premier League, but it's all Premier League teams. So with bad performances and good results, are we starting to see Spurs become an actual Jose Mourinho team now, does that mean? <laughs> I think we are, yeah. I think they found a way last night, didn't they? You know, if you look at pretty much every measure in terms of possession, shots, you know, passes, all that kind of good stuff. They were, they were outclassed by Southampton for large parts of that game yesterday. But, you know, they've dug in and, and they've got the job done. And, you know, when it's all said and done and we look back at it, you know, they've got through to the fifth round by by doing it. But Jose teams are, are notoriously, you know, I think erratic, you know, in terms of, of, of how they performed great against Man City at the weekend to get a 2-0. But, but played badly again, yeah. absolutely bossed off the park mm. but yet they still managed to grind out a win it's just what he does I think it's what he does and I think you know I mean who have they got in the next round now uh, Norwich Norwich is at home or away yeah I think it's a Carroll Road yeah, that's another tricky I one think. for it. no it's a it's a um, White Hart Tottenham Hotspur Arena Lane Okay. Uh, <laughs> so uh, yeah so they'll probably go through to that and I fancy them you know to, to get to the quarterfinals it's difficult to see Spurs fans being continually happy with this Jose Mourinho-esque football that's being played at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium at the moment. And we kind of called this at the time when Jose Mourinho was appointed that probably the fans wouldn't be that delighted with the difference between what we saw Mauricio Pochettino playing for Spurs and now what we see Jose Mourinho playing for Spurs. So the test is going to be whether they can get their trophy at the end of it, I guess. Yeah, it is. Um, and it's it's one of them where you have to accept the change. When you when you get Mourinho, you know you accept a, there's going to be a way of football that's coming. It's not necessarily tiki-taka, smooth passing, loads of possession. Not necessarily. This kind of, <laughs> <laughs> not necessarily, no. Uh, it's usually a little bit scrappy, a little bit niggly. Not not too many goals, but then his Spurs career so far, there's been a lot of goals. There's usually been, there's been a few 3-2s. Yeah. I think his first two games ended 3-2. Mm. Um, and then this one last night ended 3-2 as well. So you look at how they're, they're going. They're, they're still scoring goals without a striker, which is good mm. for anyone. Um, so, <coughs> yeah, I mean, they're in the next round. It's pretty much after the next round, like all the the big 
six teams are in the uh, in the hat in the FA Cup. So you're looking at that's when the when it gets tough. Yeah. Everyone's everyone's there now. So if they get past Norwich in the next round, then then it's like well, time as, to time to ship up. As we said, that's when people start taking it seriously. There aren't going to be any yeah. Liverpool eighteen year olds on the pitch when they get to the last stage. When they get to the quarterfinals, suddenly yeah, yeah. Jurgen Klopp's going to be interested in that one. Yeah. There were a few big talking points in the game. Nonetheless, the penalty that actually secured Tottenham the win in the first place. It was never a penalty, was it? It didn't look it. Um, in real time, you think, oh, that's definitely a penalty because he's went down and he, you know, he's, he's clean through on goal. Why would he go down? But then you see it on the replay, and there's there's just minimal contact, if any. Like he's already going down. His gloves kind of brush his him. Glove gets in his the midriff, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Like, well, listen, if you ever I get fl- if you I ever get know. flicked on one of them, it's really painful. <laughs> <laughs> it's the kind of decision that drives fans wild particularly with the introduction of VAR because mm. as you say in real time you can understand yeah. it being given when you watch the replays when you watch the slow motions it's the inconsistency there because on any other day that probably wouldn't have been given but in that situation it does get given it's the inconsistency that is so frustrating with the game yeah it's like it's the whole people will talk about the clear and obvious thing well VAR's been brought in to get rid of the clear and obvious thing like if you're going to watch something in a video replay you're watching it for minimal contact and and what could potentially stop a player from scoring a goal or going through on goal for example you're not looking for a clear and obvious thing because that looked like a clear and obvious penalty mm. in the in the real time but then on the replay you do need a replay to see something that happens that fast so they have got it and i was watching it uh, watching the highlights and i was thinking oh for tfa cup so they don't have VAR, and then I thought, yeah, well, the but, but, but they do. do at the Premier League yeah, grounds. Yeah. It's where but available they, they use it. Yeah, I think. which is pointless. I've said this said this before. It's, you can't have one rule at one game, and like there was nothing at Oxford versus Newcastle on Tuesday night. Mm. But then there is thankfully a, for that fan. <laughs> yeah, um, nobody wants to see that in slow motion in eight different angles, do they? Absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> you can imagine four blokes in a in a truck just watching someone whip their uh, whip their old bike yeah, out. Move on, move on. <laughs> Second day in a row, we're talking about someone whipping their uh, their piece out on uh, <laughs> in a football game. Let's stop. Right, uh, um, but yeah, I mean, it 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 didn't look a penalty. Um, but Mourinho doesn't care, does he? No, he's not asked about that. And I think the fact is that we've said it a, a, a lot since August, and when we've been, you know, talking about VAR and the impact that it's having. The the problem isn't the technology for me; it's the people mm-hmm. using it. And I think the people using it have not got a grip of of what they're doing yet. And that's why, even though we have VAR, we're still seeing all these contentious and inconsistent decisions, I think. And and it's a major concern. But, you know, like this guy who's leading the Premier League, I think his name is Masters at the minute. Mm. Uh, He said it's here to stay. It's not going anywhere. But, you know, they've got to kind of figure it out. But work out when you're using it. Do you check every goal? Do you check every incident? Do you just check it when it looks like there is, as you say, a clear and obvious error from the referee? It needs stronger... It does, because I think if you're not going to use it in, say, for example, if Leighton Orient have got Leicester, I mean, I've just pulled them two names out out the top of my head, and, you know, if Leighton Orient don't have the facility to use VAR, you've got to scrap it for every game in a round, I think. I think there's no way that some teams, you know, if if you like, uh, you know, Shrewsbury got caught out the other night because they were offside for that goal that they scored at Anfield, Mm. but, you know, if... 
there's other teams that haven't had the benefit of VAR and the groundwork. There's been offside goals and they've stood because they've not had the VAR. So it's almost like if you get a Premier League team, A, you're at a disadvantage from a skill level anyway, mm. but you're also at a disadvantage because in your tie, there's going to be VAR, but Leighton Orient versus Leicester isn't going to have VAR. You know what I mean? So it, I, I just think it's bonk. I, I probably, if, if all teams can't use it, I, I think don't use it in the FA Cup. One of the more interesting things that happened in the game, from a neutral point of view, was Jan Vertonghen's reaction when he got substituted. I mean, he had a terrible game. He's had a terrible season, Vertonghen. He's, three years. <laughs> but, I mean, he looked close to tears as he was leaving the pitch and Mourinho said afterwards there was no need to talk to the player his reaction said it all so he's obviously suggesting that he's had a bad game as well I mean obviously A it means a lot to Vertonghen mm. he's still got that desire there to win but at the same time it suggests that he's coming to the end of his time at Spurs he's out of contract in the summer mm. I think he's spent eight years at the club and he just isn't the same defender he once was no. I guess No he's lost a yard or two hasn't he and I think he gets caught out quite a bit and he's been a good servant to, to Tottenham. But there's other factors in that comes into play as well. I think the fact that Tottenham are playing during the winter break might have been a factor in it. Uh, you know, where Jose said, let's just take him off and, you know, we can go again another day. But, you know, Tottenham do need to, to I think, you know, get a, another strong centre-back in. Surprised they didn't invest in the summer? In the in the January window, rather? No, because I'm not surprised that Levy doesn't invest full stop. <laughs> I know, I think if if Levy could sign someone on a free transfer at centre-back, he'd say to Jose, you know, I've got you someone who's great here. And mm. Jose's like, well, he's, he's not up to our level. We'll, we'll make him our level, <laughs> you know. Um, but I think it, it is a, it's, it's a well-known fact that if Tottenham can have a cheap window, they will have a cheap window. And, and I think that we're in a day and age now where... That you can't really do that anymore because if you do do that, you end up being lower down the table, don't you? As other people have found out. A couple well, of they, they did sign. They did sign two players in in January, didn't they? They signed, but none of them were defenders. Yeah. So that would suggest he's happy with what he's got until at least the summer because he's got Vertonghen, Sanchez, Alderweireld, and then Tanganga, who he, he seems to like as well. Who's, who can who's play across not, the back? Can't yeah, he? he's but his first choice is he's, he's been a centre back. Mm. So he's, he's clearly he, he likes them four. So can't really move them on in January without some like you can't get someone in without moving them on mm, and obviously mm. that just we all know January is quite a short window and very hard to do business in like the cliche goes but um he seems happy but then Vertonghen he is coming to the end of his sort of spell I mean how old he? is Vertonghen what's he about 32 something like that yeah early 30s yeah is he he's he's been on the bench as well to be fair quite still including the Belgium squads yeah mm. he's not a bad player at all mm. just had a bad game <laughs> Well, well, he's well, a bad season that's, that's so far. Quite, he's been yeah. shaky this season. Yeah, he's not looked brilliant. Marley, I think. And, Sp- and Spurs have been very Spursy at the back as well. They certainly, that would appear that's to be. Because still Spurs. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> when, but Mourinho teams don't concede yeah, a lot of exactly. goals, do they? And, and you, you know, Tottenham are shipping a load in, aren't they? Mm. The positives for Southampton, despite going out of the cup last night, will be A, James Ward-Prowse, who suffered a what looked like a horrible injury in the game as well. And you could hear on the pitch side microphones, Danny Ings went over to check on how Ward-Prowse was and you heard him say, F me, you can see the effing bone in his leg. But it turns out there was no significant injuries to James Ward-Prowse, so he should be back soon. It's just a bit of a scratch, I guess. (laughs) A scratch through which you can see his bone. Uh, And the other thing is the form of Danny Ings, who again had a brilliant game against Spurs. Surely, surely... Gareth Southgate's going to have to be looking at him for the Euros now. If this continues until the summer, sure, he's, he's, he's in with a shout, isn't he? Mm. Yeah, definitely should be. Um, what has he got now? 14 goals in the Premier League, something like that. 
few more in the cups. Well, eighteen and nineteen for the season, isn't he? Yeah, exactly. Well, that's you for can't, Southampton as well. You can't yeah. ignore that. Yeah, I think Southampton play great football at the minute, though. They've finally fully gelled with Hasnoodle now, mm. and yeah. they are playing top stuff. Like yeah, they they their goal yesterday, Ings's goal was incredible. Like the way they ran it from inside their own box. Redmond beat, I think, three three players set up things and he put it in the bottom corner and it's like that's proper football like mm. that's finally what Hasenhutl's been trying to do and it's, it's took him about a year to get to get a tune out of the mm. this relatively poor squad but he's went in and sorted everything out and he's got he's got a hell of a tune out of Danny Ings mm. Redmond's starting to find some form as well yeah I, I've always liked Redmond um, you remember do you remember a couple of years ago when uh, Southampton played Man City. I knew, I knew you were going to say that. Yeah. yeah, and Guardiola was like, like coaching Redmond. He was like, he's very you were, animated. You after were the brilliant game, wasn't and he? stuff like that. That's there's clearly a player there. Yeah. You've just got to get it out of him, and Hasenhutl has. So, what do you make of Deli Ali's comments after the game last night? He said Tottenham deserved a trophy, but no one was going to give it to them. What? I don't know how much you can read into this. Twelve years <sighs> since Spurs last won a little bit of silverware. It's the League Cup, wasn't it? Yeah, it feels like a really weird sentence to say they deserve a trophy. Nobody deserves a, yeah, a trophy. You weren't a trophy. And clearly yeah. there's a reason why Spurs haven't won a trophy. Yeah, and not good enough. They've been there or thereabouts yeah. for the last decade or so. And I kind of get where Ali's coming from from that point of view. But you need to go that last step. You do. And you I need to make that step. Yeah. You do. And obviously they had a Champions League final in June. I mean, I think if we're going to have it right, we all knew there was only going to one team were going to win that Champions League final, but they overachieved getting there. So, they, you know, the shoots are there. I mean, we keep talking about that on, on the podcast that, um, you know, with, with a, a couple of adjustments and new faces coming in and, you know, Jose can implement his style on the team and not be as erratic as they are, they might be there or thereabouts, but, you know, you don't deserve a trophy, you know. You, 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 you've got to earn it by being better than everyone in the competition and... You know, Tottenham have not been better than anyone in the competition for a long time, and and that's the reality of it. And I think he's probably just getting a little bit frustrated at the fact that you know they aren't competing for for you know the honours this year, and um, you know it's unlikely they're going to get another mad Champions League run like that, isn't it? I I think I think Leipzig's a tough game for them, mm. um, and it just seems a bit of a bizarre thing to say. But he's done it before, hasn't he, Ali? He's come out and said some strange things before. Yeah, I don't know how much it is him misspeaking and maybe not saying quite what he's meaning mm. to say or how much it says about the Spurs mentality and how the players feel about their futures at Spurs at the moment. Are people like Ali and Kane getting frustrated with a lack of trophies? And also, what's it say <coughs> about the mentality of the team where they feel they deserve to get a trophy? Mm. It's like a divine mm. right. They does that affect how much effort then goes onto the pitch? We joked earlier about Spurs being Spursy, that kind of idea. They get so close and it all falls away. But that could yeah. be a mentality thing. That could be a toughness where they think, ah, oh, we've done enough. We'll take our feet off the gas. Mm. This is our trophy now. That's exactly what it is. It could be, yeah. Um, you look at what Christian Eriksen said this week as well when he's joined into He said, there's more chance of me winning um, trophies here than Spurs. And let's look at last season Spurs were in the Champions League final mm. and Inter weren't Inter were way off in the league they were all over the place not really touching Juventus um, didn't win anything what are they three points behind them though now in, in Serie A uh, it's either three or five so it's something like that isn't it's, it yeah. Yeah, so they're in with a they, shout aren't they yeah yeah not like, 22 oh, points anyway <laughs> yeah exactly yeah. don't get me wrong like this is they're much more closer than they were uh, last season at Inter but, signing a lot of Premier League players. Exactly, yeah. Um, but 
do you remember last when we were talking about it on the podcast earlier this season when everything was going wrong for Pochettino? Um, I was always saying that it's a mentality thing at Spurs. Mm. They've all got to the Champions League final, and every one of them has thought, "Well, that's as far as we can go." There's no, there's no belief that they can be in the Champions League final every year, and they can be that big. Mm. They're just all all players, and even the manager to an extent, Pochettino, said that we've got there and it was brilliant and then all of a sudden there's everything going on with all the players Ericsson wanted to leave yeah Alderweireld was messing around with his contract um there was links over Harry Kane moving as there always has been but it's that mentality thing and it's come back to look at Ericsson like this week saying oh well I can win more trophies at Inter well where's the proof what have Inter won in the last two or three years the same as Spurs you've both won nothing mm. but the mentality is that Inter are bigger than Spurs but Spurs got to the Champions League final last year so you yeah. have to believe that you're good enough to get to the Champions League final every year mm. it's it's a shifting mentality and it's it takes years and years and years of success to make a player believe that they're that good enough but maybe this that, is that, part that of the a team that good enough in bringing Jose Mourinho in exactly where you go he has a winning mentality it's a status yeah, serial winner isn't he yeah but Spurs haven't got that in the squad I think they're all they're all just riding a wave and they're all like well this is great it was great last year wasn't it and let's hope we can do that again not let's let's do this again we're going to stick with Spurs next on Football Social Daily because we're going to stick with Christian Eriksen actually with his comments that he was the black sheep at Tottenham after his move to Inter in an interview he gave the other day we'll tackle that next on Football Social Daily Football Social Daily subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode Football Social Daily Premier League updates welcome back to Football Social Daily we're going to stick with Tottenham and we're going to stick with Christian Eriksen because he's described himself as the black sheep at Tottenham after his move to Inter Milan. He said he was basically treated badly by the Tottenham fans because of his honesty over his new contract and the fact that he didn't want to renew his contract. He'd much rather run it down. The suggestion being that he shouldn't have been the bad guy at Spurs because he didn't want to renew his contract. Has he got a point or have the Spurs fans got every right to give him pelters for not sticking around. Did he get that bad a treatment? From, I think he did. From, think, from, I, a, from a neutral point of view, it didn't seem like think, he got I, he got it that bad. Obviously, I think he, he got, got a lot bad. of the blame for the beginning of the season, which was bad under Pochettino, and the idea they were out of form and they hadn't really kicked on after the Champions League. I think a lot of that was targeted at maybe not Ericsson on his own, but certainly players not wanting to stay at the club. Yeah, he's probably he probably he just sees himself as a bit of a scapegoat, doesn't he? And maybe I I think there's a lot of reasons why Spurs didn't start the season as quickly as the as they finished the end of last season, but I don't know, Jim to be honest. <laughs> I don't no, it doesn't seem that bad, does it? Uh, it no, does, I don't. From think, the outside, yeah. it doesn't seem that bad. It, he wanted a new challenge. Exactly. Players, players do this all the time. Like, Can you be really angry for a guy who played for six and a half years and been your best player for for probably five? Yeah, I don't can't think, be, I don't but fans so. do do get like that, don't they? Because you know, it's like when when big players leave clubs, you know, they, they do kind of turn the back on them and and you know give them a bit of abuse. But I, it never seemed as bad for me uh, with Ericsson. I think obviously there's some personal stuff going on as well, wasn't there? And yeah, there was the which we won't get into, <laughs> but uh, in, in in detail. But I just think that 
the only thing that's regrettable about the whole thing, it was very much done in public. It, you know, mm. it was early doors that I'm not re-signing. You know, it seemed like it went on for about bloody 18 months, didn't it? It's pretty know, much it, the, it, the second the whistle went for the Champions League final, that was it, wasn't it? Yeah, he, he was he, off. He said, I'm, I'm going. I think the, the mistake probably would have been not keeping his counsel and just kind of I'm running it down on the QT and then there'd been an announcement saying, listen, Christian hasn't renewed and he's, he's off to pastures new. He, he, he spoke a lot in the media about it and said that he wasn't going to do it and he wanted a new challenge and I but he, think but he could have done it worse he could have done a Tevez and gone to Argentina to play golf for six months yeah. he could have done a Payet and he, gone and refused to leave yeah. the Chateau in Paris or whatever yeah. it is at least he stuck around and he played mm. that bit part for Mourinho mm. when he yeah, came he, yeah. he was still coming off the bench and stuff wasn't he he was mm. still involved in the squads he was still trying when he came on I think early in the season he, he came on and got a couple of assists or whatever sort of impact he had he, he was still putting the effort in he, mm. he could have been a lot more unprofessional about it and mm. I think you've got to like, begrudgingly respect that I think it's, it's circumstantial though at Tottenham isn't it because Pochettino's left Mourinho's coming everyone's had really high hopes it's not really gone as well as what people would have thought because I think if the, if you ask Tottenham fans to be totally honest I think it's, they, they wouldn't say to you, well, we know he's a working pro, it's a work in progress, it might take 12, 18 months. I think they wanted that instant yeah, turnaround off it. And because that's not happened, and Ericsson has been quite vocal in the fact that he is leaving the club, you put that into the mix with the form on the pitch and the lack of you know impact for Mourinho so far overall, I think that, that that's where it's all come from. And I think it's just, unfortunately, that happens in football. You know, I mean, you know, when my club players have said, you know, they're leaving and they've been quite vocal about, you know, the fans do turn their back on them and, and they, they do kind of say, you know, they're not welcome back and, you know, they wouldn't get back in the team and all that. And it's just, unfortunately, the world we live in because football fans generally can be quite fickle. Clearly there's some bad blood there. Clearly there's he feels a little bit victimised to actually make these comments in the first place because he's got his move. He's moved to the club he wanted to go to. Just let it go. That's it. Just, just try to leave it alone. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Walk away from it. It leads quite nicely into a question that we've had from Rachel Wiseman. We were talking about players running down their contracts and she raises an interesting question about the narrative around Manchester City players running down their contracts. Here's the question. It says, why does Manchester City seem to treat player contracts differently to other clubs? Most clubs seem keen to recoup money for players in their final year, but City seems content to let them just walk away on a free. And it hadn't occurred to me before, but I was looking at it and thinking about it a bit more. It kind of happened with Vinny Company. He left City on a free, which mm. was kind of a reward for his yeah, years for his, of yeah, service yeah. so he could go off and do what he wanted to do. But we're also seeing this summer, we've got David Silva and Claudio Bravo, who are both out of contract, and the assumption is they will both leave on a free. The following year, Leroy Sane and Sergio Aguero are going to be out of contract in the summer of 2021. Mm. Normally, if this was an Arsenal, for example, they'd be starting to <coughs> panic about that potential departure so when you look at the narrative around those players compared to the narrative around Paul Pogba Aubameyang Ozil for example it does feel very different doesn't it mm. I think what's quite interesting about it is when you reel off them Man City players there's only um, in terms of value you're probably looking at Aguero and Sane being the ones because as good as David Silva is and the fact that he's probably been well, arguably one of Man City's greatest ever players. Mm. The, the, one of the Premier League's greatest one of ever the players. Premier League's, you know, there's not. We can't praise that guy enough um, for, for the impact he's had and what he's done for Man City. But 
at, at his age, you know, he's not going to command a 25 million fee, no. you know, because I think he's what 32, something like that, 33, is he? Something, something like think, that. Yeah. So he's going to go and have probably one, maybe two seasons back in La Liga for, for another team closer to his family. That's where he's going to end up settling, you know, once his, his, his career's over in this country. I think you could put David Silver into the. Vincent the Vincent Company. Company He's been category. a loyal servant. Yeah. You let but, him go. He'll go and get his payday in La Liga or probably the MLS or somewhere like that. Yeah, the, the Sane one and, and Aguero to a certain extent. Aguero has, has said he wants to play at Independiente again and, and probably finish his career there. Now, I don't know what age Aguero will be in summer 2021. I'm guessing probably 32-ish, something like that. Is he 31 now? Oh, he's 32. Right. He's around I think that. he might anyway, be 30. Early 30s. He, very early 30s. He's still worth so 30 million quid, isn't Exactly. He? You know, he, he, that that seems strange not to be charging, you know, independent a, a decent fee if that comes about. But there might be a gentleman's agreement in place where he said, you know, if he extended his contract, there might have been, you know, mm. listen, you can go and finish your career in Argentina after this. Um, but with Leroy Sane, uh, that's the worrying one because right now he'd probably fetch 60, 70 million quid. Mm. So you 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 almost have an asset there that is isn't depreciating even though he's injured because he's still very very what's he twenty one something like that um, he is a superb player when on his day and it's no you know secret that Bayern Munich you know want him to join them so I don't know whether there's a bit of collusion going on there where it's just run your contract down Leroy is it just a case of Man City as simple as they don't need the money and there's more value in them hanging on to a player Probably for a, a 12 month period yeah. where he can add something to the squad rather than cashing in and getting like I said we looked at Ericsson he went for 18 million probably a 40 million pound player You've, Claudio Bravi is probably not the greatest example but with you say Sane and Aguero they both yeah. have more value being in the team for 12 months and adding to the yeah, depth while, while a rebuilding goes on than cashing in and letting them go. And also, yeah. Man City have more of a chance of winning the Champions League with them players in the squad than they don't. So the money that comes from winning that, because that's the big one. We've talked about it before and you know got a bit of stick on Twitter for it <laughs> You know the, the other day, but you know they, they've got more of a chance in the financial reward and, and they're, they're being catapulted into the European elite by winning that trophy because even though Man City are very financially well off until they win the big European trophy they can't be considered in the company of AC Milan and Real Madrid and, and Barcelona etc because they've not won it but I think that it, it's more beneficial to have them players around while they try and do that job than, than kind of go actually we'll get what 15 million for Aguero if he's mm. 33 years of age and we'll get you know, I mean, I don't know what Sane will go for if he's if he's in his last year of his contract. Um, and Bayern Munich he's been linked with around. like eighty five, ninety million in contract, <clears throat> like as if he went like either last month or this summer. So that's like stick your but, finger in the air and guess at the moment with transfer yeah, fees, yeah. though, isn't it? <laughs> it could but, be anything. You know what would you do? I mean, if it get, if that gets to January, so if that gets to you know nearly twelve months from now, and the guy's got five months left on his contract, what's the price then? Because if Man City say I think, well, uh, we want eighty five million, it's like well, actually, I can talk to European clubs anyway. Yeah. Uh, so there's a huge risk around it. So Leroy Sane is like twenty four now, so he could he could speak to foreign clubs um, from next. January yeah. but looking at Man City he's the only one they're trying to tie down mm. as in permanently they want a decision out of him before the end of the season and then he'll either sign a new contract or he'll go to buy in in the summer for big money and that's that's it that's his cut off like if he doesn't sign soon he's gonna he's gonna leave that that'll be it but looking at the others that Man City tend to let get into their 
final year as a, co- as a contract. It just tends to be the older players who've yeah. given them a lot of service. So, for example, Aguero's always talked about going back to Independiente. That's fine. Go and do that when you're 32 and you've scored 280 goals, I think he's on now, for, for Man City. It's like, it's like Steve said, it's a gentleman's agreement of you're not going to take the mick out of us and go to bloody Man United on when you're available on a free because you've mm. said you want to go back to Argentina. We we know that Argentina can't afford 30 million quid. We're happy to let you go when you're 32 and we'll bring Gabriel Jesus or a new striker through. Mm. So that's that's sort of that situation solved. Yeah. Same with Fernandinho. Um, Fernandinho's 34, was in um, had five months left on his contract, City were quite happy to sit and wait and see what physical condition he was he was in because they knew that if everyone was happy he would stay at Man City. They they've got the belief that they're big enough that players who could walk away on a free are going to walk away on a free to a lesser club mm. who've got less chance of winning mm. things. Yes, they know that they're yeah. in European terms they're in the top 5 club, clubs in in Europe in terms of who can win the Champions League. You look at Liverpool, you look at Man City, then you look at Barcelona, Real Madrid and Bayern and Juventus maybe so like top 6. So they 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 rely and trust their players to have a bit of loyalty with them and that's I think, I think that's where the situation with Sarnig mm. is frustrating them slightly yeah. because he's not quite believing he hasn't signed a new deal so maybe he is obviously tempted by buying mm. German player going to Germany's big club well they've club. courted him publicly haven't they which yeah. is a bit out of order they've been absolutely disgusting about yeah. the whole the whole chase of him which is Another issue, but I remember you know, when that was that that just wasn't allowed. It's, it's not exactly. Allowed. It's tapping up. <laughs> it's, it's not. It's, you know, it's tapping but, up. But now it's like you know. I think there's you know Karl Heinz Rummenigge, who's who's obviously CEO or something at, at Bayern Munich. Yep. They they seem very comfortable talking about other players, uh, other clubs' players. If the transfer went through, I think it would be a different issue. I think there would be an investigation into mm. it of some kind or some kind of action taken because, as you say, Marley, you'd hope it so. is tapping up. Yeah, yeah. It's exactly. It's like what it, it is. doesn't exist anymore. It's like you know, well, agent. Um, I'm trying to think who's in, in the German team now Agent Sewell or mm-hmm. Agent Neuer and like, you know when they're in Ger- uh, camp with Germany but yeah. and it's funny with Sané because you know is, is he an automatic starter at Man City you know and, and the, the, I don't think he is you know what I mean I think even though he's a, a special player even when he's been fit he's been coming off the bench and stuff like that hasn't he so it, it's it, that's a very interesting dynamic and I think as, as was the lady's name Rachel that mm-hmm. they've got in touch uh, it is a bit of a worry that because you're thinking actually that there's a handful of players that that we we may not have next season, and and that in itself creates problems because a you can say what you want to go about Bravo, you know he's he's not a very good keeper, but Edison does need some form of a challenge from from backup, and and he's not really got that, so they've got to address that. Scott Carson. <laughs> okay, they've got to address that. <laughs> and, um, you know, uh, do you know I sold Scott Carson a set, Scott Carson a set years ago uh, when I worked at DFS. <laughs> he come in and he bought this this corner group, and he was at Liverpool at the time. And uh, I said to him, you know, here's your order, Scott. I said, what what would we do for 130 quid on top of your order? We we'll protect all the fabric for you and make sure you know if something gets knocked over. That's a con that. And do you know, what he said, I'm not doing that. <laughs> you know, anyway, but yeah, they've got a um, uh, they've got a uh, you know, there's you know serious positions they've got to reinforce in there, and I think you know financially that will be a lot of money thrown at it to address that. And I think you know Man City probably within in the best interest to kind of get, like you said, Marley get what was it, eighty million quid for Sane? Yeah, that'll go that'll go to signing. Taking. 
a leg of one player they're after. <laughs> yeah. There you go, Rachel. Hope that answers your question. If you've got a question for any of us on the sports social, on the football social daily, then you can get us via the Twitter account at the sports social, where you can also head if you have an answer to today's question that I posed at the top of the podcast. No Googling this. I don't want people Googling and then tweeting us the answers. There's two players in the Premier League who have scored four goals on two separate occasions for two different Premier League clubs. Who are they? If you know, at the Sports Social is the place to go. Marley, Steve, Cheers. thank you very much for today's podcast. Just worth mentioning before we go that we record the Football Social Daily in Manchester today. The city and the footballing world, we remember the Munich air disaster on the 62nd anniversary of that tragic event that saw 23 people lose their lives, including eight Manchester United players from the legendary Busby Babes team. Today we pay our respects with the words of Football Social Daily regular David Scott, a.k.a. Manchester poet Arkid, with his tribute, 1504. 1504, the clock stopped short. A city struck with alarm as news rang the streets. Frozen fingers of fate clutched flowers from the sky. Petals perished before they could blossom. Sons of Gorton, Salford, Dudley, Dublin, Yorkshire. Robust red numbers rest now in timeless slumber. Alongside pressmen, pilots and passengers. United in peace. Sports and afterthought. These were babes to parents, families, friends and fans. Survivors scuffled out with their lives, yet they lost so much more in the ice. 23 will forever be promises unfulfilled. At 15.04, their clocks stand still, yet time's hands can't be held back, and their legacy never will. One cold and bitter Thursday in Munich, Germany Eight great football stalwarts conceded victory Eight men will never play again who met destruction there. The flowers of English football, the flowers of Manchester. Football Social Daily, Premier League updates.